0: Top five Tuesday here on main street sports today, presented by Tennessee orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Wade Neely ready to get you up to date on everything that's going on on the sports landscape, locally, regionally, nationally, and um, got a couple of great guests joining us. I feel like Um, we will be joined in the next hour by friend of the show, Valer Shabila talking a little
1: nashville soccer club they get ready to get fired up thursday cranking up and uh that's one sport where they don't take much of a break it's kind of like i feel like well as we'll discuss in a moment nascar where there doesn't seem like there's really much of an off season with uh, mls pretty much no
0: and um nsc as as they refer to them they they've got some new kits right
1: Yep, some new kits. They always they always come out with a, a nice little drop every year, and so they they look pretty sharp. And I think everybody's just hoping this will be the year they can maybe maybe kind of finally take a step even further in the right right direction. Uh, in addition to those kits, look good, play good, right? But yeah, I mean that's what I would think. Uh, they've certainly got one part of that down. They played reasonably well as well. Just um, be nice if we could maybe creep a little further this year. So, uh, but excited to talk with Valer. He always uh, is. Very thorough and gets us up to speed on what's going on within that. Well,
0: he's very thorough and he presents it in ways that novices such as myself can understand. So we always appreciate when Valera stops through. Um, here in the next segment, we will be joined by the Blue Raider voice Chip Walters, who will be on the road, actually. So we'll see what type of reception there is between Murfreesboro and Jacksonville, Alabama.
1: Mm. Uh, That's always a bit of a a tricky situation. But should we expect anything less from Chip to be on the move? Uh, Last week he was at at the baseball press box. You know, he's he's always on the go.
0: Always moving. It's tough to hit a moving target, but we will try to do so around 225, and hopefully we won't be plagued by iffy-wiffy as we refer to it. Also some college football playoff news that we will be touching on we've got um, top 25 polls in men's and women's basketball and there was an interesting end to a game last night that we're going to um, take a look at or maybe not literally take a look at but we're, we're going to touch on that as well and again it's top five Tuesday Wade and I will be giving you our top five crime drama TV series. So that was prompted by a, a conversation that I was involved in on Facebook. You know, we we struggle sometimes <laughs> to come up with top fives. And so that's like, you know, that this could be good.
1: Sometimes they uh, they just present themselves to us. There you us. go. And so uh, social media coming through for us, clutch. Every little bit helps. Absolutely. Um Wayne, what's been up this Tuesday? Tuesday, like you, Mo, uh, we are knee-deep in district basketball tournament. Last night of the tournament for a lot of our area teams, as we'll get to in just a moment uh, with our scores here, but going to be going over to Marshall County tonight. where Lawrence County on championship uh, Tuesday night. The girls won their consolation game last night, so they're going to be the three seed uh, coming out of eight AAA, and then the boys will try and uh, win their game tonight um should be a couple of nice set of games. Murfreesboro Central Magnet's going to be their opponent and they've been on a roll including a win in the last week of the regular season versus Lawrence County. So, it should be two good uh, showdowns. That'll be your main event tonight.
0: And and regardless both Lawrence County and Murfreesboro Central are assured of home court for the quarterfinals of the Region 4 3A tournament. So, they're just kind of playing for seeding at this point. But uh yeah, should be interesting over at Lewisburg.
1: Yeah, over and over in the burg tonight, and then uh, we get a little bit of a rest. Uh, some, uh, uh, you some. Do. Yeah, I know. Uh, I hesitated to say that, but a couple no down days for at least our area teams, and then, like you said, we crank right back up on Friday with girls' region play, and then Saturday the boys uh, tip it off, and then, then it feels like. Yes, you know the district tournaments are important, but it really kind of doesn't feel like postseason begins until you get to the region. In my it opinion. really
0: doesn't. For the, you know, we've got a we've got a four di- we've got a four team district in our area, we've got a five team district in our area, and so, you know, there aren't necessarily a whole lot of teams that get knocked out at the district level. So yeah, it's it's not really until you get to region play that it starts to feel like win or go home situations. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, um, since we've already started down the high school road, we should probably give you all yesterday's results and today's schedule on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. basketball action on Monday night. Clarksville defeated Rossview 51-28. Clarksville Northwest defeated West Creek 59-33. Shelbyville in double overtime defeated Columbia Central 63-58. That was in the consolation game of District 9-4A. Cookville with a 51-36 win over Lebanon. Richland Edge Cornersville 38-36 in the championship game of the District 10 1a tournament green hill with a 42 24 win over gallatin hendersonville defeated beach 44 40 it was henry county 45 dixon county 24 jackson county with a 38 31 win over watertown lawson defeated hume fogg 55 49 lawrence county with a 48 32 win over marshall county again that was in the consolations mm-hmm. of 83a Nolansville In the 10-4A championship game, surprised page 40-38. White House down Portland 41-35. Santa Fe with a 29-26 win over Cullioca in the 10-1A consolations. It was Springfield 42, Kirkwood 24. Station Camp with a 60-48 win over Macon County. Wilson Central defeated Stewart's Creek 53-50. Tullahoma in the 8-3A finals defeated Murfreesboro Central 54-41, Westmoreland with a 44-37 win over Trousdale
1: County, and Liberty Creek defeated White House Heritage. We dive into the schedule now for tonight. We do have a couple of ladies contests. These will all begin at 6 p.m. Whites Creek will take on East Nashville tonight. St. Benedict will uh, entertain Harpeth Hall. And then it will be Ezel Harding traveling to the King's Academy. A couple more that start at 7 o'clock. Lausanne is at Providence Christian, and it will be Franklin Road Academy at silverdale academy boys basketball really kind of the meat of our schedule tonight most of these games if not all uh just for a handful going to begin uh earlier tonight uh at 6 p.m springfield will take on clarksville dixon county travels to clarksville northwest cullioka and cornersville will get it on in the consolation game of their district tournament beach takes on gallatin at 6 p.m mlk will take on Glencliff, and then portland will uh travel to greenbrier wilson central will uh, take on Lebanon tonight. Trousdale County versus Liberty Creek. Franklin at Ravenwood, again, at 6 p.m. Now we get into the seven o'clock and a lot of these games, Mo, end up being uh, your championship games for district play. At 7 p.m., Station Camp versus White House. 7:15. I love a 7:15 start, <clears throat> who doesn't? It's Kirkwood versus Rossview and then Kenwood versus West Creek. Again, both of those. Come your way at 715. Columbia is at Coffee County tonight in a game. You can probably see Mo Patton strolling the uh, sidelines this evening. Uh, spoiler that's, alert there. Yeah, well yeah, that's it. a
0: 730 start. I'm trying to sneak
1: in, man. A little, 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 little late. Uh, we'll let you sneak in there later in the evening, that is. Laverne versus Cookville also set for 730. Whites Creek taking on East Nashville. Green Hill will uh, uh, meet Hendersonville on the hardwood. Lawson will take on Hume Fogg. Brentwood versus Independence. The game I'm going to tonight is Murfreesboro Central Magnet versus Lawrence County. That should be a big one. Another big one tonight is Richland versus Santa Fe as uh, the 10A rubber match between those two teams that split the regular season. A couple more, uh, last one I should say in terms of high school action, Westmoreland taking on White House Heritage uh, here tonight. And then, Mo, we got a few, a few, Uh, Men's college basketball games tonight as Freed Hardeman travels to Fisk. That game is set for five. Tennessee travels to Missouri in a game that can be seen on SEC Network. That comes your way at 6 o'clock. And the Preds are out in Vegas tonight. Late start on Valley Sports. Uh, They get underway. Puck drop set for 9 p.m. out in the desert there. That's your run,
0: Top story today brought to you as always by Piggly Wiggly over in Neely's Mill here in Columbia. Be sure and get through there for your delicious daily deli lunch options. We've got a great meat and three set up over there. Also, your hand cut meats and everything is cost plus 10% at the register. So again, Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill, Columbia, your top story sponsor. Um. Daytona 500, a day late, finally got run yesterday evening, I guess, yesterday yesterday afternoon, Mm -hmm. last night, Um, and William Byron, under caution, wins it, Um, barely getting ahead of Hendricks Motorsports teammate Alex Bowman for the victory there. Um, I don't know that Byron was necessarily expected to be.
1: The winner, but probably
0: should have been because he's had a lot of success here over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, good win for him, and uh, we saw it yet again. You know, uh, this obviously comes really as no shock to any racing fans, I guess. But we saw the big one, and it does kind of stink, I guess, for the casual fan that. there uh, not only was the race delayed by a day with the weather, but also then the end, kind of a. Uh, in that anticlimactic, for lack of a better term, even though the the crash obviously was was the scene, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, Byron wins it, you know, in in that si- in situation in that manner, kind of takes a little bit of the luster out. But yeah, you're exactly right. He's he's done well and uh, coming away with the big win for Hendrick Motorsports and uh, doing it in style. Even as we said, it was uh, a day late and yeah. under. Uh, not the cleanest of finishes, I guess, shall yeah, we say. Yeah, and a, a tough finish for, you know,
0: Main Street Sports Today favorite, track house Sports, as Ross Chastain got caught up in that wreck at the end that took out, what, three folks? Six? It took a few folks out late, didn't it?
1: Yeah, close to double digits. All and uh, as it kind of unfolds, It's kind of interesting that you can pretty much set your watch by this, that there's always gonna be just a crazy crash, usually right near the finish. uh, And Heather always kind of, and everybody, kind of knows it's coming, and then you get toward the end of the race, and you're like, oh, we haven't really had that, the big one yet. We made it. We made it right here to the end, and then uh, boom. You yeah. can just almost set your watch by it. We, <laughs> we caught it right there at the tail end yesterday.
0: <laughs> Byron with the win, again, finishing ahead of Alex Bowman. Christopher Bell was third. Corey LaJoy with the number four finish. Bubba Wallace with a top five finish. A.J. Allmendinger, John Hunter Nemechek, Eric Jones, Noah Gregson, and Chase Briscoe round out your top 10 there. Um, any, any thoughts on, you know, past Byron, anybody that you were surprised by anybody you were disappointed Uh, i know you're a little bit more of a nascar follower than i
1: am yeah you know so i did not get to watch the race yesterday when they moved it to monday that kind of threw a monkey wrench in -hmm. in my plans unfortunately but uh we obviously got to give a shout out for uh barry who finishes you know josh barry finishing 25th um yes the, the the taylor swift connection was not It did not pan out as if
0: we had hoped. It was not successful, yeah. Did you sprinkle a little on him? You know,
1: I'd be remiss if I didn't. We went with Jawan Johnson during the the Super Bowl, so I felt compelled to throw a little. I threw a little tiny flyer out there on him, nothing to... nothing was going to break you nothing know, gonna break yet. nothing going to break you know okay. i can still afford to go to wendy's uh, tonight in lewisburg at least so that's <laughs> that, that tells you kind of the extent there but there you go uh pretty good race by and large you know it seemed like everybody had a good time and uh like i said just just unfortunate not only did we get delayed but we kind of ended up uh with maybe you're not iconic kind of shootout type finish there but um we got, the, we got the race in. You know, when, when you get delayed one day, obviously now you're worried uh, potentially what happens if, if things really would have got treacherous on Monday. So at least we got the race in, which obviously is the key thing there. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, Wade, this is a story that may deserve more attention than we're going to be able to give it here in the top story space, but Jeff Passon of ESPN has an article up on their website regarding um, MLB expansion Mm -hmm. and obviously anytime you talk about MLB expansion you're talking about Nashville Um, his article basically says that it's not if it's when expansion takes place and Two of the cities that are seen as potential candidates, surprise, surprise, are Salt Lake City and Nashville. And it's not expected to happen before the end of this decade. So, you know, I'm not sure exactly how much attention needs to be paid to it. I, I hesitate to talk a whole lot about MLB expansion, particularly as it relates to Nashville, because I'm probably gonna make somebody mad,
1: but what are your thoughts? My immediate thought is uh, I've almost developed a sense of Nashville MLB fatigue, and it just seems like Nashville's kind of this continued uh, carrot that's kind of being dangled in a lot of respects, and uh, we're talking about you know something that's, according to a Bleacher Report article, which I guess is summarizing Mm-hmm. Our initial report here, quote, not imminent, uh, you know, Commission saying maybe by the time he, by the time he leaves in January of 29, he would like this to happen. So, I mean, we're talking way down the road. And I've always kind of landed, it would be cool just from a pure selfish and just local standpoint to be able to go and check things out. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, I don't stand to financially really benefit. I'm not obviously uh, looking at pursuing ownership or uh, I don't own a piece of land that uh, <laughs> we can build a ballpark on. So I'm kind of, That's out unfortunate. Of, yeah, you know, I, I certainly would like to be in those discussions, but alas, I am not. So I really don't stand to benefit from this. And to me, Uh, Other than the appeal of just being able to go to a local big league game, there really isn't a lot of other appeal for me. I feel like we're perfectly geographically situated with Reds, Cardinals, Braves. Uh, You know, I mean, it just seems like Nashville's kind of that extra little piece right there in the middle that almost to me at least seems kind of unnecessary. Like I get... Uh, the appeal of getting in the Nashville market, and I think it could be done well potentially. But I'm just getting – I'm suffering from fatigue because it seems like this always gets dangled out there uh, for whatever reason.
0: Sort of like Memphis in the NFL for years and years back in the 80s and 90s.
1: Memphis NFL, and then, you know, I mean, it just seems like Nashville just continuously uh, pops up in these – equations and you know these press releases and just these reports that come out about an MLB expansion um, on the flip side of things I think Salt Lake City could be kind of cool uh, in my opinion if for nothing else I'd like to see the offensive uh, stats of that of uh, potentially the ball flying out of the yard in in the high altitude there so all things considered, uh, Nashville kind of just, is it doesn't really move the needle for me, I guess, to where you ultimately would kind of say with this, especially when you're talking about something that may not even get put into place in earnest until the end of this decade almost. Yeah. You know,
0: Salt Lake City is fascinating, particularly when, you know, as Ronnie Carter of the TSSAA used to say, when you put the dots on the map, because there's a really big void between say Kansas City And Arizona and the West Coast and Denver is the only major league team sitting in there. I guess they're the only team in the Mountain Time Zone, depending on what Arizona is on. But, um, and so Salt Lake City is kind of fascinating. And as you mentioned, Nashville sitting here in the middle of three National League, you know, kind of strongholds. You can Mm -hmm. get to all three of those stadiums that you mentioned in, what, five hours? Yeah. So it's, it's tough to imagine. And my biggest, my biggest concern, and I've said it before, I think the only thing that would be worse than having a major league franchise would be, ha- be having a major league franchise and not being able to support it. 81 dates
1: is a lot. And, and that's another kind of part of the equation that I really haven't even touched on or spoke on. But, uh, yeah, who's, who is your built-in fan base? It can't be – I mean, you're almost hoping that you just siphon automatically fans of, yeah, uh, the Braves, the Cardinals, or the Reds is kind of your built-in fan base. That's or your you're bit. kind of catering maybe to transplants in Nashville and just hoping that they adopt And, and that doesn't seem to me like a, a great long-term fan model.
0: And also, three National League teams around you, I've always said, if Nashville ever gets a team, it's got to be an American League team. And then it comes back to your question about the fan base, because if you are a fan of one of those three teams, you're a National League fan. Now, I mean, interleague play has been in place forever, and Mm -hmm. it's kind kind of watered that down, I guess, but still, it's... The American League is, you know, for those of us of a certain age, anyway, it's different. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and I mean, you've got you've got Baltimore, you've got Tampa Bay, and then what? Cleveland and Texas. I mean, it, the interest just isn't there on a you know casual basis for American League franchises. I don't think so. It's. It's interesting, but Nashville and Salt Lake City are apparently, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, among the potential expansion sites when when Major League Baseball does expand. Uh,
1: yeah, that's the other part of this. It does seem like yeah, it will at some point. The question is, you know, um, how old will we be when it when it comes around? And uh, the other thing too is, what will the National League and American League even look like them. We've seen those identities kind of get eroded
0: mm-hmm. with, uh, with
1: interleague play. With interleague play with and the lack you, of the DH, all, all right. those factors at play. It almost feels like the identities have truly kind of evaporated. And so, at that point, who knows what happens? I mean, maybe they just reshuffle the entire deck and just put things uh, where, in, in new divisions. Where? Where is the facility? Where does it go? I mean that, and again, this is kind of where I, I get hit with the the fatigue because this this issue just comes up, and yeah, that's to me is the biggest question: is where are you going to play? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're going to be called a Nashville-based team, hopefully you would have you'd have a you'd be in Nashville. You'd have a squad in Nashville, but I mean, I'm thinking, trying to rack my brain around. It. I mean outside of you know potentially playing on top of what you already got at uh First Horizon I mean what really to me I I can't I can't scratch my head and come up with anything there's at the moment no, that's in quote unquote Nashville
0: right there's no easy answer to
1: that so you know a lot of I's to be dotted, a lot of T's to be crossed. And Murfreesboro, no disrespect to Murfreesboro, doesn't quite just hit the same, uh, if, if you're calling it the franchise uh, that. And yeah. Franklin doesn't necessarily strike uh, the same cachet as Nashville because, in theory, you're picking Nashville for the reputation as the, of as Nashville, the, Nashville, right?
0: Right, so, yeah. Going to be interesting to keep an eye on. We will. When we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, we will be joined by the traveling Chip Walters, the Blue Raider voice, keeping us up on all things MTSU. So stay tuned as we return to the Lee Company Studios after this.
2: zion christian academy zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731 you can schedule your appointment go toward their campus it is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it again it's zioneagles.org give them a call 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today custom stone handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products along with river stone we produce and distribute over 100 building landscape and other bulk products Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customer success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com.
4: Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. Hendersonvillerotary.org.
5: Thrive under the lights, the city of performers putting on one heck of a show, headlining night after night, welcome to Smashville.
0: Welcome back to the Lee company studio for the top five Tuesday edition of main street sports today presented by Tennessee orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. That's Wade Neely. I'm Maurice Patton and joining us from a bus somewhere between Murfreesboro and Jacksonville, Alabama is the blue Raider voice chip Walters in his camo MTSU cab.
6: That's correct. That's
0: correct. What's going on, man?
6: Well, I can, I can pinpoint uh, our location a little bit more. Uh, we uh, saw there was a big backup on I-24, shocking as that may be. Uh, and we, are, we have cut down the old Highway 41. So we're somewhere between uh, Tracy City and Jasper, uh, trying to uh, get get around uh, a backup there. And we'll jump back on 24 and then hit 59 down to Gadsden and and then uh, go south into uh, Jacksonville, and uh, actually staying in Oxford, Alabama. So, uh, Mid
2: Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing
6: conditions. So anyway, that's what you do. You, uh, you. Uh, when you, I'm glad we saw that there was a backup, so we uh, are taking the back roads. It's uh, we're right on the edge of the fiery gizzard uh, trailhead, and uh, in, in the Great Savage Gulf park. So it's a beautiful drive, but uh, not quite as quick as the interstate right now.
0: Well, at least it is a beautiful drive and it's a great day for a drive, I guess. So, I mean, if you had to do something like that, today is a good day to do it, I guess. So tell me something, Chip, because I have mm-hmm. to go to Manchester when we get off the air. Where is the backup?
6: Uh, it's on the other side of Mount Eagle. It's on, uh, Oh, okay. So we, 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 we had gotten to Mount Eagle and, and then we uh, we took off down 41 that way. So okay. it's All somewhere right. between, uh, between Mont Eagle and or actually and, between probably South Pittsburgh area kind of right in there.
0: Okay. All right. Good. All right. All right. Sounds good. So you are headed to Jacksonville state with the men's basketball team looking for a season sweep of Jacksonville state. That's
6: correct. And uh, you know, and right now middle's one five out of their last seven and uh, won both games at home last week, and both in dramatic fashion, but in different, uh, different pieces of drama against New Mexico State, came from 17 down to win in regulation, and then uh, had one of the all-time great offensive performances by any Blue Raider uh, on Saturday afternoon or, and in, on into the evening uh, as, the, as Justin Porter uh, set a Conference USA record of going eight for eight from three and scoring 41 points, which is in a six-point double overtime win against UTEP. And, uh, and one of the interesting notes, uh, Mo, is that that 41 points was tied for third-best ever. And he, he tied Milton Dean, who you <laughs> remember, that mm-hmm. played for Dave Farrar back in the 90s. Well, Milton was at the game Saturday it was uh, it it was legends weekend and he was there to see his 41 point effort tied by uh, by justin porter so i thought that was pretty cool and uh and um you know so in in jp has been his player of the week had a 67 point week uh last week uh and 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 he, he got that 41 points on saturday on just 16 shots and uh but when you go eight for eight from three, that 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 helps your percentages.
0: Yeah, no doubt. 11 of 16 from the floor, Justin Porter was in that ballgame. And I was going to ask you, Chip, um, when you're watching a game like that, now obviously in your duty as play-by-play announcer, you know how many points he's got at any point. But, I mean, did it feel like he was having that kind of game?
6: Uh, I think. I think it really started to sink in once we got into overtime because he kind of took over and and there were there were a couple of plays where uh, where UTEP hit threes to go up by three and Porter answered both of those himself with threes. So that was uh, at the time at that time is when it really kind of sunk in that uh, that he was doing something really special.
1: Yeah, uh, Justin catching fire and playing 47 minutes in that uh, double overtime win. Uh, obviously, it looks like a lot of the guys are kind of resting and sleeping right now, Chip. But what's the overall vibe uh, kind of coming out of uh, such an emotional win as the Blue Raiders kind of on a hot streak, like you said, five of the last seven?
6: Oh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. And, and, and I think this is a good thing is when these guys get on the bus and you're right, they're trying to, Get some rest. They'll have a practice coming up tonight. Uh, once we get to Jacksonville, um, but they—you—you um, you can't from day to day. When they get on the bus, they're pretty even killed. You can't tell that they won five out of their last seven, or you know if, if things aren't going well. They typically—they—they—they they, they, they are really good around each other, and and uh, and they're a close-knit group. But uh, they—you uh, know—they're—they're they're, right now they're it's funny basketball players are like that and football players as well when they're, it's hard to, I think us civilians get a little more, get a little more jacked up. They're, they're, they're much better at standing on an even keel than we are.
1: What's one thing in that matchup tomorrow night that you, uh, after a pretty close win, but uh, I'll be at a win for MTSU versus Jacksonville in the first go round. What's one or two key things that you kind of are most anticipated or most excited about tomorrow?
6: Well, I, I think, you know, uh, to see the continued good play of uh, right now, middle's getting a really good play from Justin Porter and also from Jared Coleman Jones. I mean, one of the things that's kind of lost in, in the, uh, in the wake of JP's 41 points was Jared Coleman Jones was two assists away from uh, having a triple double. Uh, He he had, he, he had, you know, he was, he had a, double figures and points and rebounds and had eight assists and and i think that that's one of the things that's been when middle has been at their best over this streak that they've been on it's been when they have been able to work their offense inside out and get get good inside out passes from coleman jones for when when the ball goes into him he's going to make a quick decision very very quickly whether he's going to pass it shoot it or if he's going to drive it and and they, they they talk about that a lot in practice that decision needs to come within a half a second. And uh, and, and, and the other thing is they've been really doing a lot of work on getting the ball to guys in position to score. So making passes, not where they've got to go over here and make the catch and then kind of regroup themselves. You know, be more direct and be be better with your passes to where they're, you know, in a good position to shoot the ball. And I think the other part, too, is what I'm – what I'm looking for is okay, who's that next guy? Is it is, is Elias Elias King has not had huge games here recently, but here's an opportunity for him to step back up and for this team to win its second in a in a row on the road after winning at FIU on the previous road trip. So, you know, getting that next guy, that third, that fourth guy to, to have, you know, big nights offensively, that's where I think that's one of the things, and, and also to continue to um, take care of the basketball. That, that, that has been one of the key things uh, all year long that has been, uh, that's been a telltale for this team, for the most part, is if they take care of it, they've got a shot to win it. If they don't take care of it, it's hard to, I mean, you've, you're, you're, your margin for error becomes very, very slim.
0: You kind of stole my thunder there because that's where I was going to go next, Chip, is, you know, when we talked about this team when it was struggling, turnovers were one of the bigger issues that they were having. And clearly they've, you know, taken some steps to address that.
6: They have. And, and you know, in, in one of the re- really kind of interesting things as you look as the season develops, and you look at NCAA stats. Well, UTEP, for almost the entire year, has been the number one team in all of Division One basketball at turning people over. Guess who number two is? FIU. So th- there's two in your own league that are in the top five in the country. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, who we played in the non-conference, is number four. So there's three. Then you've got. Uh, Western Kentucky is number 40 in the country and turning you over. Um, number five is, um, well, Stephen, F uh, Sam Houston's right in there too. So there's five of the top 50 that that fall in that group that, that Middles had on their schedule. So mm-hmm. it, 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 that's one of them. you. You look at that, and okay, it, it's kind of a chicken and egg. Okay, is or, or are they... Good. Are they really good in the turnover numbers because they played middle, or as middle as middle's turnover numbers been a little higher than they wanted because they played some of the best teams that force turnovers in the country. So I mean, you could you could argue that a little bit, but you know they, they have gotten that under control to some degree, and I think that 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 the that the guys understand that that is uh, you know an important thing for sure.
0: The Blue Raider voice Chip Walter is joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. Um, Chip, very few warts on the Lady Raiders at this point. Um, what, 9 and 0 now in conference play? 11 and 11 and 11 0. 11 0.
6: And they've won 11 straight. And, and they
0: have their own player of the week, Savannah Wheeler, earning that Does, honor from conference as well. So they're doing just Savannah
6: Wheeler things, right? <laughs> Pretty much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's they're gonna name the award after her before this thing is over with. But, <laughs> you know, they, they, they uh, you know, went on the road and, and broke open a close game at UTEP on Saturday. And, and Kyle and I were talking that, you know, that was, uh, you know, that'll come back and help them uh, because you know they had gone through a streak where they were just blowing people out, and, and even on that last road trip, did the same thing to UTEP uh, and or to New Mexico State. But UTEP, it was a three-point game with five minutes to go, and Middle ended up winning by by 15. So it is, uh, you know, that was they outscored them 12 nothing in the last three minutes, and uh, you know that's what a veteran team does. So they they're they're in really good position and you know, and, and coach Insel is always looking for things to help motivate. And one of the things I saw that in the, uh, in the also receiving votes category that, uh, in, in whichever poll it was, I can't remember which, but, but Tennessee was listed one ahead of them, uh, in the also receiving votes. So there's a little, there's a little something to stoke the fire with.
0: <laughs> stoke the fire. He will, um. In addition to men's and women's basketball this week, um, there is there's baseball, there's softball, there's track, indoor track up at Liberty this weekend, right?
6: That was last weekend. They are oh. they are, uh, well, they, they may be back up there. It's not uncommon for them, but uh, you know, indoor indoor track is is coming to a close here soon because the outdoor season will get underway very quickly and. Uh, if I, I'm correct. I think the outdoor meet is going to be in Murfreesboro this year for Conference USA. So oh. that's that's going on. Uh, baseball is at Alabama today, uh, first pitch at four o'clock. Blue Raiders are two and one after uh, winning two out of three over the weekend from uh, Bowling Green. And they'll host Miami of Ohio this weekend in a three game series at Ree Smith Field. So uh, there's that. And Softball still looking for their first win. They're zero eight, I think, right now. But they have seven one-run losses, and zero and nine rather, and eight-run run losses. And uh, but they're back in Madeira Beach, Florida this weekend, and uh, then after that they'll uh, get back home. But they've had some. They have run into a, a tough streak of luck uh, in in uh, in some of these early season games.
0: Well, I, I guess if you're gonna be unlucky, there's worse places to be unlucky than Madeira <laughs> Beach, Florida, right? But, That's right well, um, they were they, were, they were out in,
6: Cali- they were in Northern California, they were out near San Jose or Bakersfield, out that way, and then, uh, then last week they were in Fort Myers, and this weekend they're gonna be in Madeira Beach. Yeah,
0: um, baseball, just a second. Chris and I talked a little bit yesterday about this. Former Zion Christian catcher Briggs Rudder had a weekend, did he not?
6: He did, and you've got the numbers in front of you uh, more than I do, but he he had a good weekend. Uh, The Blue Raiders pounded out on Friday 21 hits uh, and then came back on Saturday and won in dramatic fashion, the bottom of the ninth, uh, down a run, uh, got five straight walks in the bottom of the ninth, and, and literally walked it off.
0: Walked it uh, off. Yeah.
6: <laughs> and uh, before losing a close game on Sunday, they 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 trailed and never could. They were down a run almost all day long, and uh, but uh, one two out of three won the series. And and uh, you know if you can win two out of three every weekend, you'll take that.
0: You're gonna be in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um yep. are six of twelve with eight RBI over the weekend. Mm. So that's that's pretty solid it's a,
6: yeah yeah have yourself a weekend right there
0: yeah coming coming out the gates that's um that's a it's a tough standard to set <laughs> certainly certainly it, got your eyes on him after that one um where you all at chip
6: we are back on I, on I 24 and we are about to cross some water here in just a minute before we get to interstate 59 but things are moving we got around the the back up and we're rolling.
0: Yeah. It looks like you're moving a little bit more quickly now (laughs) than than you were. So we can, you know, see the scenery moving behind you, but yeah, that's, um, that's good. Um, Chip Walters, the blue Raider voice joining us here on main street sports today, as he does every Tuesday, except when he doesn't, um, appreciate you working with us on the, on the time change today, Chip. And, um, we will catch up with you next Tuesday. Good deal.
6: We'll talk about it.
0: All righty. That'll work. Thank you, Chip. Uh, When we come back here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, talk a little college football. The college football playoff formats for the next couple of seasons have been, you know, addressed, Mm -hmm. I guess. So we'll talk a little bit about that here in the Lee Company studio
4: Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. HendersonvilleRotary.org.
0: Top five Tuesday here on Main Street Sports today, presented by the Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. And at the bottom, I guess our last segment, Wade and I will be giving you our top five crime drama TV shows. Stay with us. Book (laughs) them. That's not a clue, is it? Never know. (laughs) Never know. Nice, I I like a little foreshadowing. That's always a great thing. The college football playoff announced earlier today, I guess, that um, they have adjusted their 12-team format, the 12-team format that will be debuting at the end of this upcoming season. The CFP Board of Managers voted to reduce the number of automatic qualifiers from six to five, thus creating an extra at large bid. So the five plus seven model is what they will be playing with for the 2024 and the 2025 playoffs, which will take place in 2025 and 2026, but who's counting? So, what that means is the top five ranked conference champions mm-hmm. will get automatic bids. And then there will be
1: seven at large selections. So we're let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. We haven't even debuted the twelve team playoff yet. And we're already changing it. Mm-hmm. That's well, okay. it
0: it but it 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 was kind of necessitated by the implosion of that conference out on the west coast mm-hmm. that had been a power five conference back when there was a power five. So,
1: so it'll be inter- uh, very interesting to see um, how this shakes out because it kind of it, the immediate thought that popped in my head is. For so long in the you know eighties and nineties, uh, and then into the late nineties, we just kind of yearned and longed for. We just want to see the two best teams maybe play, mm-hmm. and then that was you know not enough. We said, well, some years we don't get the two best teams. We we'd like for the real teams to to have a chance to play, and it just seems like we've vastly expedited how quickly we can kind of adapt on the fly because it seemed like there were so many stops uh, and and hitches along the way. And now I love the kind of fluidity of this thing. Uh, even though we're you know locking it in for a year or two, I like the fact that we're able to adge- uh, adjust and adapt. Um, and I'm kind of pleased in a way where we're headed with this because it just seems like back in, the, like I said, those olden days as it were, uh, it took so much, it, it, literally almost at times took an act of Congress before we could kind of get things moving. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like we've kind of at least got things trending in the right direction and they're kind of trying little, to tweak this thing as quick as we can. To a little make bit it more responsive. Correct. And, yeah. And for that, at least I like, uh, because I think this is going to be a lot of fun uh, going forward with this full 12 team field.
0: Um, so under this model, Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama and Florida State would have been your automatics in a 12 team playoff this past season. Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss and Oklahoma would have re- would have received the remaining 7. So so the group of 5 got no love I guess in this model because I thought there had been talk about the top ranked group of five getting some consideration and these are all well none of these are power five programs oh wait a minute did I misread oh no 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 in a six and 6 mm-hmm then Liberty would have gotten in as the sixth highest ranked conference champion. Liberty was the Conference USA champion. They were ranked 23rd. So the 5'7 kind of apparently gets rid of that.
1: Gets rid of that. And uh, if you take it one step further, and you know this will be uh, kind of, how things shake out. Instead of complaining about who's the fifth team left out, you know, now we'll be complaining kind of like we are on, on selection Sunday with, with March Madness, you know, who's number uh, 13, 14, 15, maybe mm-hmm. even, uh, the team that would be number 16 in this model that would get left out would be, uh, noted, uh, mid-major and small college program. Notre Dame would have mm-hmm. been, uh, the team that that would have been left out in this situation. So, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. The, the <laughs> argument just kind of shifts is really all it does. And, uh, this year, obviously it I'm, very interested to see how this first year obviously shakes out, just because of the newness factor, but also uh, because I feel like this past college football season was almost just a, a crazy anomaly in the sense of just how things uh, kind of shook out. And we mentioned Florida State; they'd mm-hmm. be your five seed, so they would have gotten to host Oklahoma in the five twelve matchup. And all talk about Florida State and kind of how they ended ended their season you got to assume that if things played out the way they did versus Georgia, that Oklahoma at least would have had a pretty legit chance uh, to go into Tallahassee and go in the 12 and win that game. Yeah.
0: Um, It's interesting. Notre Dame, because of its status as an independent, you know, they are aligned with the ACC, but they don't play a full ACC schedule. So, Notre Dame can only, under this format, secure it at large. And they have no way of securing a top four seed. So they will, if they make
1: the 12-team playoff, they will play an opening round game. So best they can do is play in that first round. Uh, I guess the best they can yeah, do is end up 5th and. Mm-hmm and host, which obviously is, is nice. And, you know, Notre Dame, of all the schools, would love to uh, nothing more than to have everybody come to South Bend uh, for a game. But you really kind of hurt your long-term chances by not getting that first-round by. And, and yeah, if you are sense. a Notre Dame fan, that that's obviously a horrible situation because, like I said, you're really just hampering your long-term chances of winning by yeah, not that, having that first-round and You don't even have a shot to get in uh, to a top four, as right. we're reading here. Um, this
0: again is for the next two seasons. So you're going to see these, um, conversations either fire back up or continue for 2026 and beyond. Um, and it sounds as if we may not be stopping at 12.
1: I mean, I feel like, especially as you and I've discussed, and you and Chris have talked about, the bigger this thing is going to get in terms of uh, conference realignment or a Super League kind of forming, uh, yeah, where do you kind of draw the line? And as much money as college football, mm-hmm. as big of a business as it is, I don't know where the carousel kind of finally stops and, because if and- you're going to expand to 12, why not 16? Well, I mean, you're leaving four games on the table there, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. And maybe 12 is just like the perfect little sweet spot to buy a little more, kick the can down the road in a sense, but knowing that, yeah, 16 almost feels like it's got to be inevitable as well. This it,
0: it really does feel inevitable. I do like the 12 just because it incentivizes that top four with a bye, mm-hmm. as you were saying, um, having to play three games, is that right? three games versus versus two. Correct. Of, yeah. 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 To get to the championship. So, I mean, the fewer games you can play, you know, just from a player safety standpoint and that kind of thing, the better position you feel like you're going to be in. But again, If you've got four teams not playing, then that's four more games you can play and secure 7.8 bill buys you a lot of say-so in a lot of stuff, I would think. So if ESPN says, hey, we'd
1: really like to have a little bit more inventory in the CFP. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the way I'm reading this too, top four conference champions get a bye. So obviously if you got a situation like Alabama and Georgia, as we saw it play out this year, Georgia obviously gets in, which uh, was the situation that happened this year. They Obviously they were left out. But yeah, they're not eligible now uh, for that top four. And so they would get to host the game, uh, do sneak in the playoff. Mm-hmm. But you could look at a situation where, yeah, you still have a team like Georgia, who I th- almost everybody would agree is one of the top four teams. But because they didn't. So it does put a little more value, I guess, back on the uh, sense of the conference championships. Mm -hmm. Um, But that will be very – and, again, this all obviously is going to play out the way it plays out on a year-to-year basis. But the way it played out this year, uh, I think a lot of folks came into that Georgia-Florida State matchup thinking, yeah, Georgia is one of the top four teams in the country, but they would be left out of that buy. Like you said, that now player safety – uh, load management for a potential game down the road right. to use an NBA term there. So, mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be quite the year in college football. And I think this year and maybe even next year is really going to be a lot of, uh, uncertainty just in the sense, cause it's so new, right? We're, yeah. we're not really going to know what to expect until we kind of get a couple of seasons under our belt. I feel like.
0: And then just as we get a couple of seasons under our belt, it's, going to change.
1: Yeah, then we'll we'll just get ready to do this whole thing over and over again. College football, and uh, we saw, obviously, with the NFL playoffs, I mean, football is still the one sport that's going to draw the eyeballs, and it doesn't matter if it is Liberty versus Oklahoma. If it's a playoff game, I'm probably going to be tuned in. Right. And uh, I feel like a lot of the casual fans are probably going to tune in. I mean, even we saw, or we see every year, the FCS championship game still draws huge numbers, and, and most of the casual college football fans don't know anything about the two teams that are playing, but because it's a championship or a playoff-type environment, they're tuning People into to these games later in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's
0: never a dull moment, for sure. So, um, again, we'll be keeping an eye on that when we come back here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. We will be talking a little, little footy, as they say. Different kind the, of football. The other football. Mm-hmm. The original football, right? Mm-hmm. With Valeria Shabilla talking Nashville Soccer Club. Come back to the Lee Company Studios with us when we come back from this break.
5: Live under the lights, the city of performers, putting on one heck of a show, headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville.
0: I'm Maurice Patton, and on Main Street Sports Today, we bring you the voices of your favorite teams, from preps to pros. Um, otherwise known as the Vot, Mike Keith. The, the bottom line is, we can teach Will Levis woke. I just don't know who's going to work with you on your base stealing now that eli has gone.
2: <laughs> well, that has nowhere to go but up. And I was just like, oh, guys, not again. Can we just
6: bury that, burn that footage, and not bring it back? No. Uh, <laughs> no. no.
2: no. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it going past the All-Star break. And uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out. There's always a good story to tell.
6: Can you guess where I am today, Moe? Where, where am I?
2: It's, it's not Smith Smithfield, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you play Chicago, you want to win. That's you, just
7: you got
1: that right, and that's really a you know, When you're walking the dog, you keep the bags that you need for the dog
6: in the bag, and you don't even have to wear it. You can just hold it, which is what I do when I walk the dog. So
0: I think I think the fanny pack probably needed a little rebranding. <laughs> it and did, so, it really um, did. It really <laughs> did. On your show logo, we've got to get a puck in there. There's a basketball.
5: There's a football. Oh. There's a baseball. Maybe if not mm-hmm. a puck, how about Mo brandishes a hockey stick?
2: Tune in daily at 2 p.m. on Main Street Media TV.
0: Welcome back to the second hour here on Top Five Tuesday, Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. That's Wade Neely. I'm Maurice Patton, and we are now talking a little soccer with friend of the show, Valer Shabilla. Nashville Soccer Club getting ready to get things fired up here. Um, And I always butcher the schedule because soccer doesn't list teams the Mm -hmm. same way everybody else does. Mm -hmm. But it looks as if NSC has a CONCACAF Champions Cup matchup on Thursday against MoCA FC, where is that, Valair?
7: You got it, you did it right.
0: No, but where where is it, where is it?
7: It's in the Dominican Republic.
0: Okay, all right, so MoCA, so the left team is the host team when you're reading the schedule, or the top team is the host team if they're listed one underneath the other and it kind of blows my mind. So that's why we've got Valer Shabila on hand to, to coach us through all that stuff. Valer, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it.
7: Thank you guys for having me again. Uh, yeah, always happy to talk some soccer or footy as you called it earlier.
1: <laughs> that was right, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All I mean, right. Cool. I and mean, it rolled off your tongue well, so, uh, yeah, give yourself, give yeah. yourself some cred, Mo. I,
0: I try I'm, tr- I'm trying. Like I said, get a lot of help, but, um, You know, the Champions Cup, that's a pretty big deal, right?
7: Yeah, absolutely. It's a continental competition. Nashville SC earned the right to be there because of their Leagues Cup finish. So uh, if you remember uh, Mm -hmm. last summer, they played Inter-Miami or Inter-Messi, as some folks would like to call it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) in the final of the Leagues Cup. And uh, making the final earns you an automatic bid into the Champions Cup. Now, uh, what another thing that differentiates soccer other than just listing schedules differently is that <laughs> these tournaments uh, happen on uh, continental basis they happen on obviously domestic basis and then continental basis and then it goes into world state right so currently the concaf champions league is the continental competition um the highest continental competition in the region if nashville sc were to win that or even make it to the top two or three they will uh, either qualify automatically or, or through some other matches, into the Club World Cup, which is a very big deal, of course, especially for, uh, competi- especially for MLS teams. There's been only one MLS team who has won the Concacaf Champions Cup in its current format, and that's the Seattle Sounders um, back in 2021. So before that, there's been a couple MLS winners, but it was a different format. It was pretty much like a weekend tournament in LA that they want so uh, so it doesn't really it they still earn DC and LA still earned those cups but it's a little different than the current format which Seattle remains to be the only MLS team who have won it okay
0: so Nashville opens the 24th season in the Dominican Republic against the Mocha Football Club is that accurate this is the start of the season for them
7: Yep, the very okay. first game is on Thursday, um, and then followed by Sunday afternoon match here in Nashville as the MLS season starts at home for Nashville SC. I will be at both matches actually, so I will be. I'm flying out to the DR tomorrow. Oh, nice! Um, it's in the city of Santiago in the DR, uh, and uh, Mocha is actually because the team is has a smaller stadium. They are playing their home match at Cibao Stadium which is in Santiago. So it's the bigger city. Uh, They're pretty much the suburbs of Santiago. Mocha is. So this is, uh, this is biggest game in pretty much their history. So uh, for Mocha FC and um, depending on who you talk to, it might be the biggest game for Nashville's history as well, just because of the competition they're playing in.
1: Yeah, this is their first run into uh, the CONCACAF Champions Cup in Valera. With the MLS season beginning in earnest on Sunday, uh, how does Nashville approach Thursday's match? Sometimes, you know, especially these early round uh, games, you kind of see a little bit of a a training squad almost, uh, or a a B or C squad. And uh, what's Nashville, obviously a win is the goal, but what else would Nashville like to get out of this uh, match on Thursday?
7: I think the biggest thing is making sure you don't push anybody too hard too early um nashville have signed a good amount of players this season coming into this season um like i said the travel is going to be part of this as well so you're traveling down to the dr you by by no means should this not be a nashville win i think everybody around this organization is looking at this match as something that they should win if they didn't end up winning it it's not a big deal as long as they don't lose it because they have the opportunity to play mocha again at home on thursday following that sunday uh match in mls so and sorry on wednesday at home so so you have a chance to bring mocha to your house and kind of take points before on them then i would say best case scenario is national gets a win of course um if they tie it's not the worst case scenario because they have that home match in terms of the squad you're probably looking for a more of a hybrid starting lineup and, and some maybe backups. They also have a couple players coming back from injury, like famously Walker Zimmerman, who is a USMNT player, captain of the club, as well as Dan Lovett. Those are two big pieces in in, in the defense. Gary Smith, seems, based on what he was saying to the media, it doesn't seem like they will start this match, but there's a chance they kind of get in a little later, get some minutes under, under their belt for that home opener, which is against the New York Red Bulls, who are known for their style of just running you down. That they, they just press you until you are very, very much exhausted and taking advantage of that. So it's, uh, it's a bit of an unfortunate thing for Nashville to be opening their season against the Red Bull after flying to the DR a few days before. Uh, but like I said, they are going in as the heavy, heavy favorites against Mocha here.
1: Yeah, is this a matchup where you see uh, a guy like Henny Mugtar uh, get a substantial amount of minutes, even though uh, it is kind of your first match, obviously, versus uh, on paper, inferior opponent?
7: Um, I would say he will get on the field, even if Gary Smith and Nashville don't want him to, because he's one of those guys who wants to play every single minute. He, Gary Smith has over and over talked about how Hani, even in matches where Nashville is up 3-0 or 4-0, for example, the Minnesota match in the Leagues Cup, Hani wanted to stay on all 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh he's not a guy who pulls back or pulls his punches. Uh so I would assume he's gonna start the match, honestly, just based on what we've seen in preseason. He might get pulled over around the 60th minute, maybe even at halftime, depending on the score. Obviously, if Nashville is up 2 3-0 at halftime. I I mean, I know Hani wants to play, but I think Gary would would uh would have a a word with him on hey, let's let's reserve this energy for the Red Bulls match coming up.
1: And then as we shift Sunday, obviously a massive match uh, to kickstart your season versus Red Bulls, like you just mentioned a moment ago. Coming into this season, uh, you know, and you kind of read some chatter on the Internet uh, about a potential hot seat situation for, for Gary Smith. And uh, how much stock do you put into that? And I guess maybe more flatly, what are kind of some reasonable expectations and how do you kind of un- un- uh, see the MLS season as a whole kind of unfolding?
7: Yeah, let's start off with a hot seat one, actually, and and I would say that it's probably less hot than folks may make it out to be. I, I, the front office has been very, very much uh, adamant that Gary Smith is their guy. Um, I I don't see much changes there now. Obviously, this is sports, and you guys know it more than anyone. Is that if you start losing matches, you start you start dropping these points, and uh, you don't know you might you might be up. Uh, what One thing we've noticed from this Nashville team is that their floor is pretty high. Even when their ceiling is not high, their floor mm-hmm. is pretty high. They've made the playoffs every single season they've been in the league. They have um, competed more so, uh, you know, a, a good amount in the playoffs. Even their losses in the playoffs, they've been 1-0 losses pretty much the last two seasons. So, Honestly speaking, I don't see Gary Smith going anywhere as long as that floor continues to be high. And I don't have any reason to believe that that floor isn't that high uh, coming into the season. Um, In terms of realistic expectations, uh, Nashville is a bit unlucky to be in the Eastern Conference again this season because the Eastern Conference is hot for MLS right now, especially compared to the Western Conference. I mean, you're looking at teams like Columbus and Cincinnati. Columbus won the cup last season since 91 the supporters shield last season atlanta have one of the best guys in this in in, in the league there who's probably going to be sold in the summer in Thiago almada and of course miami with messi and co in there i mean you're looking at those are just four squads that i was able to um to, to just tell you right there who will be better than nashville on paper so far uh also you're looking at orlando who beat nashville in the playoffs last season Uh, probably looking at them to be better, and a bunch of other teams making improvements. So the Eastern Conference is looking really hot. For Nashville SC, I think this season coming to their fifth season MLS, it's less so about just making the playoffs and more so winning silverware. Uh, We don't know where the Open Cup and where that situation is going to be, but you have Leagues Cup, you have CONCACAF Champions League, and, of course, you have the playoffs going into MLS. So I think they're going to be competing for those competitions. And I think in terms of – realistic expectation uh probably looking for them to finish in a playoff spot in the east but maybe not hosting um so maybe not the top four spots uh in the east so i i, I have them in my rankings around six or seventh really um that's kind of this spot but again i think the emphasis here is going to be on the cup competitions and trying to get some silverware into the, the club
1: they, and they were obviously very, very close. I was at that match uh, when Miami came to town last year, uh, losing in, in painstaking fashion. And so uh, next question kind of along those same lines is what moves uh, did Nashville make in this offseason that kind of got you uh, excited enough to have them uh, thinking, yeah, playoffs, even though in a very talented Eastern Conference this season?
7: Well, let's start off with a move they made last summer, right? So they, they signed Sam Surridge for almost a club record fee, over over $6 million uh, from Nottingham Forest from the Premier League. So Sam Surridge is a player who flourished in the in the League's Cup uh, for Nashville SC. But when MLS season started back up and they lost that final, it seems like he took a step back. But to be honest, the entire team took a step back. And they went into mm-hmm. a losing streak and a strong streak, and they weren't able to find the net. So I would start off with somebody who maybe they didn't sign this year, but they signed halfway through last year, who was Sam Surich. And then going into this year, a signing that I'm really, really excited to see what he's able to do is Tyler Boyd. Uh, I know he sounds like the wide receiver in Cincinnati, but this is a different guy, believe it or not. He plays soccer, and he's he's played in uh, Turkey. He's played in New Zealand. He's Last season he played with the LA Galaxy, and uh, he's he's had over 10 appearances, I believe, for the U.S. men's national team. So this is a baller. This guy is a baller. But most importantly, what I'm excited to see is for him to be able to uh, play into this Nashville system. He's a winger, uh, maybe even attacking midfielder. Uh, but the work he does off the ball is, is tremendous. He does a lot of work to gain the ball back. He does a lot of work to connect with the players when he doesn't have the ball. And that's perfect for the system that Nashville plays, uh, You know, the system that Gary Smith plays. So I, w- I-, I see him having a very successful season coming into 2024 uh and 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 just a couple others drew yearwood is coming in as well for a pretty good fee from the new york red bulls um he's supposed to kind of be in the midfield to take over for uh former first captain of the club dax mccarty who departed um they don't play the same way but they are supposed to do the same thing which is move the ball from the defense up up to the midfield onto the attack and that's something that nashville lacked a good bit so those are the three big signings coming into the season, and they've made some other moves as well that that I think will be effective, especially in attack.
0: Valer Shabilla joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia, talking a little Nashville Soccer Club as they prepare for big matchup on Thursday in, as he refers to it, the DR. Mm-hmm. The Dominican Republic, they're taking on MOCA FC down there before returning to Geodis Park for their MLS opener against New York on Sunday, and then the return game with MOCA in the CONCACAF Champions Cup on, is that Wednesday? Is that right? Wednesday, yep. That's Wednesday, so um, exciting times for nsc right now and they will likely be outfitted in some new kits when they hit the pitch right
7: yep they uh look at you getting all the terms right the pitch the kits. i mean yeah you're killing it uh they did did release um their their new kit on uh saturday last week um so uh if you haven't had a chance to look at that um home kits are generally uh less exciting in soccer because they're just pretty much the team colors. Uh, the away kids is where you know things get a little wild, like the man in black kid, for example, we saw uh, recently from Nashville. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's a nice one. They gave me one, so I can't really complain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go, there you go, so you can't kick on it too much. That's interesting, Valera, that they, they saved their, I guess you want to make a good impression on the road, right?
7: Yeah, it's, it's also more so that in soccer, uh, you just have your home colors and you can only change a little bit here and there in the accents really. So for example, the new one here for Nashville has a little blue stripe in the middle here at the top uh, middle. Um, so that that's a little different, but the kit in itself is still the same yellow or gold as they call it um, to where at the home kit, at the away kit, they are able to just have a black Jersey. And, you know, that's fine because you can do whatever color you want, really. There isn't as many restrictions. They've had navy for the most part, uh, but they they started with a black one. But some MLS teams have white jerseys. Some of them go completely, you know, maybe do a throwback jersey and have, for example, last year Seattle had a red jersey, which they are traditionally a green team, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you, you just have a little bit more time, uh, more, uh, you, you have more room to kind of play around with it.
0: Okay. Valera, explain to me, um, a couple of weeks ago, NSC signed Isaiah Jones. Now, this isn't a guy that we're going to see anytime soon, right?
7: Probably not. Uh, you'll see him in Huntsville. I think he will get a good amount of minutes in Huntsville, probably be a regular down there. Huntsville is the second team for Nashville SC. Uh, but they have their own identity. You know, most teams, most second teams in MLS are just called the team name 2. Uh, mm-hmm. So Philadelphia Union 2 or New England Revolution 2. Uh, NSC decided to go to a different route here and have, give a team in the minor league for with a different name. So they play in MLS Next Pro, which is a fully professional league. Everybody there is on a professional contract. Um, and it's kind of the next step after the academy. So we talked about the academy, Nashville SC's Academy. That's your kids. That's under 18s, Right. And then and then. So they have a U15 and U17 um, categories. And then generally, if you're good enough, you get that pro contract and you go play for Huntsville. And if you prove yourself there, you go to Nashville SC. That's the traditional route of how soccer academies generally work around the world. Uh, In America, there's also the college system. So you'll see some guys go from the academy to the college system and then back into the pros. Um, so for Isaiah Jones specifically, it's really exciting because he came from the Nashville Academy. So he's a homegrown, he's a guy from Thompson Station, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he him and his uh five siblings were adopted from Sierra Leone, actually, to Thompson Station, Tennessee. They have an incredible story. Um, his brother got drafted first overall in the MLS super draft. Uh, and I think you guys had me on the show when The same Mm -hmm. day as the draft, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. And we talked about Malachi Jones a little bit. So that's his brother, Um, Isaiah Jones' younger brother, and will be with Nashville SC now. Um, Again, it's really exciting because these homegrown players, uh, they are generally from the area. Nashville and Tennessee in general is not known to be a hotbed for soccer. But with an academy like Nashville's, we're seeing more and more talents being developed. Uh, So he's the second homegrown signing uh, the first one is Adam Sipic, who was signed last year. So that's two homegrown signings for Nashville. And I think you'll see both of them play a good amount of minutes in down in Huntsville. And if the Open Cup becomes a thing, we don't know where that's at at the moment. You might see them play for Nashville. But you might also see them in that MoCA match on Wednesday uh, at home because they're available for Nashville to be to be selected by Nashville whenever they need them.
0: And you mentioned Malachi Jones, Isaiah's older brother. Apparently, he signed um, last month with New York City FC, um, the eighth overall pick in the Super Draft out of Lipscomb. And um, so I guess he is on NYC FC.
7: Yes, so he will be on their roster. Chances are he'll probably play for their second team, kind of like I was talking about Huntsville here, Um, New York City FC too. Uh, they got really creative there as well. Uh, but uh, uh, And they have two other siblings who play collegiate soccer at the moment. So that family is doing all right. That's
1: pretty impressive. Hey, Valer, uh, kind of the opposite of the homegrown approach is uh, obviously not to the any expectation of the caliber of Messi. Is there a, a superstar or two? That is kind of somewhat at the moment linked uh, with the possible move to MLS. Uh, we obviously not anticipating somebody like him coming over, but anybody of a relative note that could make a move to America at some point.
7: I think all the moves you saw kind of already happened because the season's about to start and most teams kind of made their move. Uh, you'll see probably one or two names that you might recognize from playing FIFA or whatever on, you know, in, in the summer come through, which is when the European season ends. So a lot of times, what you see is that in January window, um, European teams don't want to let go of their players uh, because they still have half a season to go. So they don't run on the same schedule as MLS. In the summer window, you generally see the bigger names come through, kind of like Messi did, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I, n- nothing big at the moment, but you know, a guy like Luis Suarez down in Miami, he's already made his move. Uh, Emil Forsberg, who is a Swedish a Swedish international. Finalized his move uh, last month to the New York Red Bulls. Um, So those are two big names that came into the league. Um, And then, of course, Miami still have all sorts of names. So Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, uh, those are all folks who made it last year, technically. But this will be their first uh, full MLS season.
1: Yeah, and with Miami, uh, kind of mentioned. I Don't want to spend a ton of time talking about them, but uh, now that they have a full season of Messi at their disposal, and and the names forgot about Suarez. So you just mentioned him. Um, is it championship or bust? Essentially, the expectation for for Miami this year.
7: It has to be. I I, I don't. They have the best team in MLS history, just based on having Messi on your team. I mean, that, there's no other. Uh, there's no other measure I can do. So I, I, I would say that. This is not even coming from me. I mean, if you if you hear what the players and the manager is saying, they know the expectation. They they, they want to win trophies, and that's what they're going for. I think they're going to target the CONCACAF Champions Cup pretty heavily because that gives you the most notoriety worldwide, right? Mm-hmm. They went on a world tour for their preseason. They played in Japan. They played in Hong Kong. They played in Saudi Arabia. They played in Argentina, and they played in El Salvador, I believe. So, uh where preseason for Nashville SC was in Florida, for example. So that's that's the difference in in, in sort of having Messi on your (laughs) roster. Um, And and for them, I think the Champions Cup, like I said, is going to be their main goal. Uh, MLS Cup is going to be pretty close second, I would say, because they do want to keep sort of uh, starting this tradition of winning down there. Um, The one thing I will say is that if Nashville SC were to advance from this MOCA match, uh, their opponents already set for the round of 16 in Concacaf Champions Cup, and that is Inter Miami. So uh, they'll be playing a home and uh, home um, uh, series with Inter Miami if they were to advance from this Mocha matchup, which is again highly likely.
0: Nashville Soccer Club opens its 2024 season with a matchup in the Concacaf Champions Cup against. Mocha FC down in the Dominican Republic. That game first touch is at 6 o'clock on Thursday, followed by a 4 o'clock game at Geotas Park on Sunday against New York to open MLS play. That game can be seen on Apple TV. And then the return game with Mocha is set for next Wednesday, the 28th. 8:15 first touch at Geotas. Valer Shabila. Getting us all caught up on all things soccer here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by the Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. Valer, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it.
7: Absolutely. Always happy to come back, guys. Thank you. All right.
0: When we come back here on Main Street Sports Today in the Lee Company Studios, we'll be talking little hoops. And a little tidbit, unfortunately, Chip missed it, but we'll have... A little bit more MTSU men's basketball to talk about when we come back here. Stay with us.
2: Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. zion christian academy zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731 you can schedule your appointment go toward their campus it is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it again it's zioneagles.org give them a call 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today custom stone handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products along with river stone we produce and distribute over 100 building landscape and other bulk products Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit CustomStoneHandlers.com.
4: Your favorite wine tasting experience is back. The Hendersonville Rotary Club's Wine and Roses Fundraising Gala. Everything you loved and more. Saturday, March the 2nd. Prepare your taste buds for elegant wines, smooth whiskeys, craft beers, and exceptional food. Browse through the silent auction. All to benefit over 25 local charities, schools, and scholarships. Wine and Roses. Saturday, March the 2nd at Our Lady of the Lake Catholic Church, Hendersonville. Hendersonvillerotary.org.
5: live under the lights. The city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville.
0: Top five Tuesday here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. In our final segment, Wade and I will give you our top five crime drama TV series. So um, you'll want to investigate that. Hell. <laughs> um, right now, though, I'm going to talk a little college hoops and want to start it off by throwing it back to Chip Walters. Mm-hmm. He missed out on this, but. Check in my email as I want to do. The U.S. Basketball Writers Association annual, uh, weekly recognizes the um, Oscar Robertson Men's Basketball Player of the Year um, week. Week. Mm-hmm. It's every week. Um, <laughs> they recognize five players nationally, and among those is Justin Porter for all the reasons that we just discussed a little bit ago with Chip. Again, 41 point game, uh, set a record for three pointers without a miss in Conference USA play. Um, going eight for eight, it was 11 of 16 for the game in that double overtime win over Texas El Paso and also scored 26 points with five rebounds, four assists and zero turnovers in Thursday's win against New Mexico State and hey, that zero turnovers for a team that has turned it over a lot as we discussed.
1: That's the biggest takeaway of all.
0: That's not to be overlooked. So again, Justin Porter, one of five USBWA Oscar Robertson National Basketball Players of the Week and two of them are from Tennessee. Because Jacob Cruz, a name that you've heard probably as we've gone through our Tennessee Sports Riders Players of the Week, was also recognized. The UT Martin kid averaged 30.5 points, 7 rebounds, and a steal um, in, what, two wins? Yes, two wins, one of which was over first place Moorhead State. So... Um 32 and 6 against southern Indiana and 29 and 8 against Moorhead. So the junior transfer from Dayton State College recognized along with Justin Porter. Also Nick Caldwell from southeastern Louisiana, Blake Henson from Pitt, and Jaden Ledee from San Diego State honored by the U.S. Basketball Writers Association as the Oscar Robertson Players of the Week. Congratulations to all of those guys, but particularly to Justin. So,
1: um, that's huge. Big, big recognition for two local guys uh, and uh, two mid-majors. And you mentioned UT Martin. They're on a heater here. Uh, they're 10-4 in the league. Moorhead State looked like they might run away with the OVC at one point earlier this year. And uh, UT Martin now has won three in a row, and Moorhead's dropped two in a row, including that one that you just mentioned. So... Um, there is a log jam now, as many as five teams sitting there all within a game each other in the OVC. That'll be a fun league to watch not only at the end of the regular season and then obviously going into the tournament now all of a sudden.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, particularly when you consider they are certainly a one-bid league. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. We mentioned um, Nick Carwell from southeastern Louisiana among those honorees. The Southland Conference making some news in a different way last night following texas a m commerce's overtime win in houston against i'm sorry in san antonio against incarnate word the handshake line didn't go so well
1: you know usually in the handshake line you think of pleasantries being exchanged you know good game uh good to see you uh we'll catch up with you soon I don't think that was necessarily uh, how this particular handshake line went down.
0: Or it might have gone down that way to a point. <laughs> because there is video showing players from both teams throwing punches and landing said punches near the scores table. And somehow it made its way across the court mm-hmm. to the seating area. Apparently a young fan was hurt during this um, incident, let's say. but nobody seems to know what the what the tipping point was for it. it lasted about a minute and a half, and we're not going to play the video, but it's easily found. So um, in fact, CBS Sports uh-huh. has got it up on their website. The Southland Conference is aware of the end of game situation that occurred between the Texas A&M University of Commerce and the University of the Incarnate Word men's basketball teams tonight," said the conference last night in a statement. We will be working closely with both universities to review footage and issue an appropriate disciplinary action. Unsportsmanlike behavior is unacceptable in the Southland Conference, and the safety of our student athletes, coaches, spectators, and officials remains a top priority. These two teams were tied for last place, heading into the game. Hmm. Commerce wins at 76-72 in overtime. So maybe Incarnate Word was just a little miffed about being in sole possession of last place in the Southland Conference.
1: Yeah, uh, hard-fought game. And like you said, when you watch the clip, um, starts out innocent enough and and things look okay and then all of a sudden who kn- who knows what happened? But uh, every team has got a little one of those guys, and <laughs> that it don't take much. It doesn't take a lot, and mess around and find out. As uh, somebody said, something about somebody's mama. The next say. thing you know, and yeah, this was an all time brawl. I mean, I mean, it went from one side of the court to the other. My thought immediately watching this was shades of uh, what was it Florida International, Miami years ago oh. on the on the gridiron where it just kept-
0: yeah, yeah, and you think you've got it mm-hmm finished and then it's like a spark of kindling lands somewhere else or something and all of a sudden we're blazing again
1: yeah I mean they start in the handshake line we get out to midcourt. court uh, you kind of have your baseball uh, what's the word jockeying I guess where everybody kind of bounces up and down and then you start seeing the punches thrown then it sprawls over to the baseline and then it migrates toward the uh, the sideline and then
0: somebody comes running in from a mm. corner yeah, it, it's
1: it's wild, and it's, maybe we should have saved this
0: for tomorrow. Wild
1: and wacky. I feel like we probably will are just kind of getting to the surface level of this because yeah, uh, this is a PR nightmare. Uh, oh man, for for not only the two schools but obviously the league and yeah. My thing is, uh, you've got two teams toward the bottom of the standings you obviously hope it doesn't happen. come down to this, but there are so many kids involved, and mm. I, I don't necessarily know that any um, administrators or coaches were involved, but so many folks have been involved in this. I mean, you're toward the end of the season. This is almost on borderline territory where you're thinking about, you know what? We just may not finish, finish or may not have the bodies potentially to finish the season at that point, depending on how many suspensions come down from this thing. <laughs> but if you wanted, to be talking about Incarnate Word and Texas A&M Commerce on national TV or national uh, sports talk radio uh, across the country today, that's a way to do it. There's usually a buzzer beater or some viral play or the alternative, and we got the alternative last night. We
0: got the alternative, and you talk about, you know, sanctions and how they might impact schedules and the like. This predates you, but your alma mater was involved in a dust up with Tennessee Tech, and the late Blue Raider coach Bruce Stewart was given the option, because, like you said, so many players were involved, given the option to stagger suspensions. Uh huh. No, we're going to take them all at one time, and get it over with, forfeit a game. Did not make friends with Dan Beebe over that when the Ohio Valley Conference commissioner. So, but yeah, I mean that's that's the type thing that you get into. As many players as there were involved in this, it, it'll be interesting to see how the Southland Conference meets out its punishment as far as that goes.
1: Uh, they, the good news is, uh, or bad news is being at a major college basketball level, they're not like high school, obviously, or even NAI where there's only one or two games left in the regular season. Still talking about maybe three, four, potentially even five games left. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it was so bad, we might be talking about three, four, or five games worth of suspensions for each player involved, potentially, especially when you factor in uh, that there was a fan involvement. Right. And, um, you know, I'm watching this with the audio off, but it's the play-by-play crew even kind of pointing out that, there's blood on the court, uh, potentially from a fan, and it is, it is not a great look. UIW alone still has uh, five regular season games remaining, uh, including one Saturday at McNeese State, and I assume it's a similar uh, schedule for, for commerce. Um, there is no recap on the UIW website just yet, uh, just for the record. <laughs> Um, and as recovering okay. PR man myself... <laughs> no, uh, I, was,
0: I was just getting ready to ask you that. You have been that guy.
1: Would you have a recap up? I'm, I'm going over the AM Commerce. I, I, a recap... You, you know, you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. Because on one hand, you're thinking, I want to know about what happened in the game last night. But there's only one thing everybody wants to know about Anybody the Nobody
0: cares about how it got to overtime? Nope. Or... How commerce won it in overtime, or or
1: any of that, nobody cares. We want, uh, <laughs> and if you're looking for clicks, you obviously cannot do this. But uh, if you're looking for clicks and wanting your school to go viral, uh, you know, uh, a statement was released, like you said, uh, late last night, um, from both the conference, and there was a joint statement released from the institutions themselves, and that's the only that's the headline story on uh, commerce's website. Um, this will shock you, but, uh, it is a very brief statement that basically says, we apologize for the behavior conducted by our programs and does not reflect the values of the universities. And basically they're now deferring, uh, to the conference. So it is not a good look. Um, like you said, easily found on the internet, but man, that was, that was an ugly situation. Like I said, kind of reminded me, um, and uh, commerce has a recap on the website and well they won yeah yeah so <laughs> you at least got a shout out the win we're not in last place anymore there you go <laughs> um they, they even can- have highlights uh embedded in their recap no highlights uh like the ones we just watched a moment ago. well I don't, I don't think that necessarily qualifies as a highlight no so. no not mentioned on there but uh crazy crazy um there is a last statement that says that a joint statement between the two schools can be found. So at least, uh, one of those deals where you do got to put out something, because Mm -hmm. man, that was an ugly and scary situation last night. Yeah.
0: Um, men's AP top 25, Yukon, Houston, Purdue, Arizona, and Tennessee are your top five. Very little change. Um, Tennessee up three spots to number five. Um, but I don't think there's anybody new in the poll. Everybody that was, is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ditto, I believe, on the women's side as South Carolina continues to dominate and, you know, play with their food as Yao kind of mentioned yesterday. Um, Top six spots are all the same as last week. South Carolina, Ohio State, Stanford, Iowa, Texas, and NC State. Southern Cal up three spots to number seven. And as Chip mentioned, Tennessee receiving one top 25 vote, Middle Tennessee State none, never mind that, that night down in Huntsville mm-hmm. back in early December. But um, anyway, top five crime drama TV series. <laughs> I recognize that pose. Let's, let's see if that was a clue as well here on Main Street Sports today presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. When we come back, it'll be Top 5 Tuesday. Stay with us here in the Lee Company Studios. I'm Maurice Patton, and on Main Street Sports Today, we bring you the voices of your favorite teams, from preps to pros. Um, otherwise known as the Vot, Mike Keith. The, the bottom line is, we can teach Will Levis woke. I just don't know who's going to work with you on your base stealing now that Eli has gone.
2: <laughs> well, that has nowhere to go but up. And I was just like, oh, guys, not again. Can we just bury that, burn that footage, and not bring it back? No. Uh, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it going past the All-Star break. And uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out. There's always a good story to tell.
6: Can you guess where I am today, Mo? Where where am I?
3: It's, it's not Reed Smith,
6: is it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you play Chicago, you want to win. That's just
1: you, you got that right. And when you're walking the dog, you keep the
0: bags that you need for the dog in the bag, and you don't even have to wear it. You can just hold it, which is what I do when I walk the dog. So I think I think the fanny pack probably needed a little rebranding. <laughs> it and did, so, it really um, did. It really <laughs> did. On your show logo, we've got to get a
5: puck in there. There's a basketball. There's a oh. pool, There's a baseball. Maybe if not mm-hmm. a puck, how about Mo brandishes a hockey stick?
2: Tune in daily at 2 p.m. on Main Street Media TV. It's
0: Top 5 Tuesday here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee. Ah! What are you going to do? This was about the time last, yesterday that I broke down. I guess it's fatigue. Main Street Sports Today, presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. There we go formerly Mid-Tennessee bone and joint, but no longer. The anymore. artist formerly known as. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, at least it's not a symbol, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, so close, so close. I'll get there, though. Anyway, again, it is Top 5 Tuesday. Top 5 Tuesday is presented by Mid-South 5 Fitness, two locations, one here in Columbia, one up in Franklin. Um, and whatever shape it is that you're in, they will get you in a better one. You can find them at steelathletes.com, S-T-E-E-L, athletes. Thallus Steel, taking care of you. Top five crime drama TV series. And again, as I mentioned, this came up. friend of mine was talking about he was, being, he was off yesterday for President's mm-hmm. Day. And so he was um, sitting around watching Matlock and... Heat of the Night. I said, Heat of the Night is a grossly underrated series. And I had a thought. Come on. yeah, Light bulb. Top five crime drama
1: TV series.
0: And since there's only two of us drafting, Wade, I will defer to you for the first pick.
1: Ooh. Alright. Uh, well, with the first pick, I'll just go ahead and get it out of the way so it doesn't get snagged out from under me. This is my favorite show of all time. It's uh, admittedly seen it four or five times all the way through. You're going to break my heart. I'm an HBO junkie. I'm taking the wire. Baltimore crime at its finest from top to bottom. I'm actually maybe even due for a rewatch. So this might be, I'm sorry, Mary Austin. uh, (laughs) This this might uh, compel me to uh, have a date with the couch coming up soon because uh, my all time favorite show. And it's, it's, it's got to be on my list. Um, There are other tremendous selections but i'm going the wire number 1
0: you know i've never seen the wire
1: got to be I, on yeah and, things and to i've do. got
0: hbo i've got to i've got to I've got to address that
1: the only bad thing uh but they've now rectified this with the streaming situation is the show was released early two thousand, so it was really kind of hard to watch uh from an h d standpoint mm. uh but they've kind of smoothed that over as best they can okay. uh kind of like another show or two that could be on this list but uh it's 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 worth the investment for sure okay. tremendous tremendous show okay
0: my number one and I found this. During the um, pandemic lockdown, it was a little aged then, clearly it's more so now, but justified. Raylan Gibbons is probably one of my all
1: time favorite characters in anything. I've only seen the first season for sure, maybe the second but yeah. that that is an epic, epic show and that that could be back on the list too. Um,
0: Absolutely. Um, You're number two? Number two,
1: uh, a crime drama yes uh just maybe not in a more serious tone that you would potentially think give me brooklyn nine nine uh (laughs) and admittedly this is a show i've only seen just a couple of bits and pieces that's kind of why i like it too it's one Mm -hmm. of those shows that you can kind of just pop in and out of uh Mm -hmm. so a little just to make sure everybody doesn't think i'm stone serious all times we'll go brooklyn nine nine
0: well it 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 kind of pushes the envelope on crime drama yeah yeah
1: yeah there is some drama but just maybe not the kind that you uh potentially are thinking about okay i'm gonna stay in the andre brauer
0: genre and go with homicide life on the streets which was a drama and
1: was a great show on nbc and he was great in it,
0: as he was in pretty much everything. Pretty much, yeah.
1: Top, top to bottom. Uh, that is one I've not seen, but I heard nothing but good things. So mm-hmm. we're probably going to have to make that happen. Um, this one, you, this is a slight audible for me, but you mentioned the show earlier, and it kind of got my wheels turning. And my parents probably would be remiss if I didn't include... How about old school Perry Mason? Mm. There's an HBO remake that supposedly is also very good, but uh, the old school Perry Mason which the internet tells me went from 57 to 66. That's a long time back in the day for uh, Perry Mason. You can
0: still see it in reruns, you know, on various channels, late at night, that kind of thing. I think I came across one about three weeks ago.
1: And and that's what my parents do. Shows like uh, The Waltons, Andy Griffith, those type shows, Mm -hmm. they love the YouTube TV because they just record every single one. It doesn't matter what channel it's on. Mm-hmm. And then they just have a treasure trove. And they just, they probably rewatched uh, The Waltons, I'd say probably six or seven times, no telling how many total episodes there are. And I'm like, the year is 2024. Oh, we're still rewatching The Waltons. Sometimes you just can't replicate greatness, I suppose. So I'm going old school Perry Mason there. Yeah, old school Perry Mason is not bad. Raymond Burr was fantastic. Um. I am
0: going to go, where am I going to go? I'm going to go with my old standby. Law and order SVU. I mean, the legendary Ice tea. As good as it gets. He's, he's really great in that. And
1: um, now, now is that the that's the Fred Thompson as well, or is that a, a previous no, incarnation? No, that was a that was the Law and Order.
0: Law and Order SVU is um, Mariska Hargitay and um, Ice T are probably the two bigger, more recognizable names. Um, now Fred Thompson was just Law and Order, the original YLG. Yes. Mm, okay. Yes, exactly.
1: Okay, VG all right. Hacker. And I heard you guys reference uh, that yesterday. Um, That's how little we were watching the All-Star game on Sunday. He said, I was was catching up online. There was
0: actually a um, SVU um, marathon on some channel that I came across, and I wasn't budging from it for the NBA All-Star game with 397 points.
1: Well, and that's how you know it's a good show in the sense that there's usually always a rerun on, mm-hmm. and, and it's one of those shows. Like I said, you can just DVR it and just uh capture a million episodes at once. Absolutely, um, SVU. And in case you didn't know when the show was coming on, I feel like every Sunday during the late stages of the NFL games, they're always advertising it so you at least know when the next episode you can find is coming it. on. They, Absolutely. They, I feel like Jim Nance kind of keeps us up to date. Uh, on that I'm kind of going to continue my theme here of serious and funny serious and funny but this is a little darker uh, funny but Fargo the TV series is fantastic and if you're into that kind of universe it's not your traditional crime drama Um, there is some very dark humor in it Mm -hmm. but it is electric show and they just wrapped up their fifth season not too long ago
0: wasn't Chris Rock in a season of Fargo he was
1: in season four and it is this tells you how good it is, because I would say it is, I would put it up against any other season of any other series, but it's maybe one of the la- in terms of power rankings of the show. Of
0: Fargo? Of that show,
1: yes. That's how not good. one of their better seasons. Not one though. of the better ones, but it is fantastic, and if you put it up against <laughs> a different show, it would probably be much higher on that. But, yes, season four, Chris Rock, uh, Kansas City, kind of 1950s, Ish era kind of gangster, and he is he's fantastic in that role, (laughs) which you wouldn't normally associate Chris Rock potentially with, but yeah, he did a great job. Wow.
0: Um, my number four going back to my college days and soon thereafter, I guess Crockett and Tubbs, Miami (laughs) Vice, yeah.
1: Um, the pastels. I mean, that's a look, yeah, that's that's an iconic look that shows and I mean, think about all the sports teams that have kind of mimicked the jerseys, how many uh, sports teams have kind of stolen that scheme for a lot of their other uh, promotional materials, that is a iconic look from an iconic show. Absolutely. You're number five, Mr. Neely. Number five on the list, I'm torn, but there's only one last spot and it's going to come down to two really good shows. But i got to go Breaking Bad. True Detective uh, is right there on the cusp for me, but Breaking Bad is maybe the, one of the all-time other great television shows. And about a year or two ago, I, I went through a full rewatch of it, and it, it's just fantastic. Uh, Walter White, kind of one of the all-time just kind of crazy hero-slash-villain kind of dilemmas, depending on your worldview, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, it, they do. it's a phenomenal show.
0: Season four of this one started Sunday, and I think I missed it watching um, SVU. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, the Equalizer with Queen Latifah. It's a great show. I guess I'll have to go back and watch that because I clearly missed it, but yeah. Yeah, you, gotta, my...
1: you got a chance to go back and catch up a little bit.
0: Yeah, before Sunday's show. So yeah, we'll definitely do that when I'm not
1: covering basketball this week. And, and when pray tell with that? Uh, Thursday not, night. Okay. Actually. One, one, <laughs> one night props for at least getting the one in because whew, we get through the district only to be rewarded with uh, a slog of region games now. Region and, you know, in D2,
0: State X. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, we also got state wrestling this weekend at the Ag Expo up in Franklin. So, plenty to keep us busy, but I think I will try to wedge an Equalizer in on Thursday night. So
1: just, to, just enough on those shows sprinkled in just to keep us sane during an otherwise potentially insane period of our lives. Oh, without question. Yeah, so um,
0: yeah. Tomorrow here on Main Street Sports Today, we will be joined by Heather Williams who should be recovered from Daytona, I would guess, and Joe Sullivan, we'll see what local college basketball development has disappointed him this week after <laughs> Indiana State got beat. Take your beat. pick, yeah. So we will um, see you at 2 o'clock tomorrow right here in the Lee Company Studios on Main Street Sports Today presented by Tennessee Orthopedic Alliance of Columbia. Nailed it. Talk to you all later.